three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. Humble host hunter here, and since I'm reviewing Hamilton today, which I'm excited to talk about, of course I have to have one of the smartest uh, music people I know. Oh, um, that's not true. <laughs> it, 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 it is. Got uh, my lovely girlfriend Alea here. Hi, dear. Hello, darling. <laughs> Thank you so much for helping me out. Of course. So we of watched course, this. Of so we watched this together this weekend. Yes, uh-huh. it was because we both listened to the soundtrack. So I listened to it a little, I had heard like two songs off the musical. Like I had actually not heard all the songs in full. Like before this weekend, I could have na- probably sang a verse off of my shot maybe. And now like that's going to be in my head probably for the next year. Which, yeah. Which are worse things to have stuck in your mind. But uh, Very true. I, I, I gotta say though, so with things being the way they are right now and theaters being closed and Broadway's closed until 2021, which fucking sucks. Um, this really came out at the most, like, quote, perfect, unquote, time as it could have given, again, the circumstances. Um, uh, Colin, uh, of course, of uh, uh, of the podcast here, uh, him and his uh, beautiful wife, Nikki, went and saw Hamilton last year so they saw the broadway cast on their like their farewell tour uh, i so lucky so um i remember looking up what tickets were for hamilton and holy crap they are not cheap they're like <laughs> like 500 on the low end i saw in some yeah. places like it's insane and i and i have to admit like i was ha- this was kind of like harry potter for me in the sense that i didn't get I didn't get it initially. It was one of those things I went back later and and watched and went, oh, I get why everyone loves it so much. It was kind of the same thing with Hamilton. I was like, okay, I'll get to it at some point. But I wanted to actually see it, not just hear the soundtrack over and over again. Because I think it does take away from it. We can't see mm-hmm. what the actors and dancers are actually doing. Uh, with that said, after seeing it, Oh my god, this is like <laughs> I I have one small gripe, but it's it's so fucking wonderful and it somehow lived up to the hype that it had, which is really impressive actually. Yeah, I remember I my sister was obsessed with Hamilton for a really long time, my youngest sister. And uh she kept bothering me to listen to the soundtrack, so I finally did, but I promised myself that I wouldn't um let's watch any clips or anything until I could actually see it either in person or until something like this came out. Um, and that was, it came out five years ago. So, which is crazy to think about. It's been that long, right? It's taken five years for the majority of people to be able to see it, which is crazy. (coughs) Yeah. I, so this really reminds me in a sense of back in the 2010s when you had, all those concert films like you two had one Hannah, there was a Hannah Montana one. I remember God knows why uh, there was like, there's like a Rolling Stones one, <laughs> but so many of those concert movies were successful because you know, it's like, okay, can anyone afford to drop, can everyone afford to drop, 
you know, a couple hundred bucks to, to see Rolling Stones or Elton John, you know, in concert? No. But can you spend, you know, 20, 30 bucks to go see this IMAX and feel like you're there? It's like, yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is directed... Uh, this is directed by Thomas uh, Thomas Kale. Uh, he went ahead. He's directed a couple things. He directed Grease Live, which I remember actually watching. Going, that was actually pretty good. Uh, he's done Fiddler on the Roof. Um, he did a show, a limited FX series, which I I haven't reviewed and probably will at some point now, because uh, it's got Sam Rockwell, Michelle Williams. Uh, uh, I'm gonna butcher his name. I think stuff. So, uh, Foss Verdon, which was for FX, which was really excellent. Um, and he does a great job with the camera work here because anytime you need to be seeing something, there's this one uh, song that we'll get to where Eliza's singing and it's it's filmed like like you're looking down at her and you just feel the emotion of what she's singing. And I just went, oh, bravo. And there's multiple shots like that. I took a step back and went, wow, okay. Like he really knows how to film this like a musical, I mean, which it is, but... Not to make it to make it feel cinematic too at the same time, which is hard to do. I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, so I mean, I'm gonna let you kind of because I know you have notes here. I'm kind of <laughs> just so I'm gonna let I you, have a lot of notes. So I'm gonna let you just like where would you like to start with this? Oh gosh, so to begin with, the music is not what you'd expect. It has a lot of rap music in it. It's kind of a a, a rap Broadway crossover almost. You can kind of see. The like similarities with kind of Jonathan Larson's work. You see a lot of similarities in uh, Lin, Man- Lin Manuel Miranda's earlier stuff, like in the Heights. Um, you see, and it kind of ties back to there's this thing called a vernacular principle, and that is when you're kind of taking the the music that people are listening to to kind of paraphrase here. You're taking the music that you're that people are listening to right now and you're applying it to what you're creating. You're applying it to your shows. And in Broadway, that's very hard because to begin with, Broadway is like 60 years behind that curve <laughs> Okay. to begin with. So, And you kind of see uh, Jonathan Larson really kind of hooked on to that with his productions of Tick, Tick, Boom. And he uh, kind of started it with Tick, Tick, Boom. And then he really came into it with Rent. And then you see Lin-Manuel Miranda come in with it within the Heights. And then you see him come into it with his films and you really see it in Hamilton where you see rap come into the picture and you see, you know, notes of Bernstein coming in. You see notes of Larson. You see Lin-Manuel, <laughs> I know you're grinning, Lin-Manuel Miranda's earlier stuff. And it's interesting because a lot of critics really did not like the rap music. Yeah, I could see that. When this first came out, because they said that it was too rhymey. It was, I read a couple different articles, and uh, there was Terry Teachout from the Washington Street Journal, okay. which is like a big name, yeah. and then uh, Michael Rydell from the New York Post. And they both, bas- uh, to paraphrase, they basically said that rap should only exist in these types of shows to. Uh, talk, you know, yeah. uh, sing speech, kind of. And it's interesting because Lin-Manuel Miranda does a really good job of kind of taking some aspects of that sing-song speech from rap and kind of incorporating it into different themes. And if I wanted to talk about the themes, I could talk for literally five hours. <laughs> like, it's 
so crazy. But even when you and I were watching it, there were a couple different themes that I kept telling you were kind of popping up. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting because if you listen to it, and a lot of maybe non-musically inclined or musically trained people will notice it, but you probably will, in that a lot of, every single character has their own um, kind of musical motif. Yeah. And that's kind of a, a musical phrase that kind of distri- describes the character or kind of follows the character around. And two of the most prominent, there's the My Shot motif mm-hmm. and there's the Aaron Burr motif. And those are kind of the ones I really want to talk about because they're kind of the most present for me anyway. And the My Shot motif, which is real fun. And if you're non-musical, this will make no sense to you. But for my musical friends, this is for you. Um, so the my shot progression is a minor one chord followed by a major three chord and then a minor four chord followed by a major six and a major five. And the showing of the minor chord to the major chord, you know, that minor one to a major three, the minor four (coughs) to a major six, that is kind of showing the strive and ambition in what Hamilton's trying to do. And it's showing the kind of key movement of, of ambition. But it also includes the downside in that they're never satisfied with it. So that minor to major shows that strive through ambition, but that minor represents the non-satisfaction <coughs> of... As I'm dying over here. Right, that non-satisfaction. So, and it's interesting because it doesn't just show up in my shot. It shows up uh, when Washington is talking to... Uh, Hamilton saying, you know, that sequence of everyone's eyes are on you. Yeah. Um, it comes up in uh, Satisfied. It comes up when Angelica is doing her uh, piece about honor and losing love. And it, it's that it's that talk of trying to pursue something more, but leaving something behind. Okay. Um, and then the second one, and it also shows up, and I'm going to bring this in after Aaron Burr. So then we have the Aaron Burr progression. And it's interesting because his is a, a major one chord followed by a minor six chord and then a minor three. And every musical friend that I know will hear that minor three and just hate their lives momentarily because you have and and you have in music, you usually have a you bring a chord sequence back to a one or a five. Something that kind of feels final enough. But Aaron Burr never gets that satisfaction. Musically. Okay? That three represents the fact that he can try as much as he can. And he goes from that, 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 you know, you have that one chord and you're like, okay, we're we're solid. And then you have that minor six. And usually a minor six is going to lead to a major one or a major five. And then it doesn't. It leads to a minor three. So it shows that no matter how hard he freaking tries, he's always going to be stuck. <laughs> he's never going to come home. God, you are a nerd. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's insane. But then, in the second act, when Aaron Burr is singing about uh, the room where it happens, that my shot progression yeah. comes into it. And yeah. it shows his blossoming of uh, ambition. So I want to talk about... So we need to bring him up. So, <laughs> so Leslie Odom Jr. is is the guy who uh, plays Aaron Burr. 
Yes. I, I've seen him, so I remember seeing him in Smash, which was like almost a decade ago, which is weird to think about. It's been that long. But he was also in Murder on the Orient Express, the uh, 2017 version, which uh, he's on Central Park right now. Like the couple episodes I've, I've heard, because I was sitting here, I was like, I know that voice. I was like, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. I think he is just fantastic in this. Um, it's going to come down to, because I... I think a lot of people by default are going to go, Lim, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda is my favorite out of the cast. Personally, he's not my favorite. Um, Who would my, you say is your favorite? My personal favorite is, uh, I hope I'm not butchering your name, I'm sorry if I am, uh, Philippa Sue, who plays uh, Eliza. Uh, I think she's... I think she's she, amazing. I Philippa Sue is... is I think she's my favorite. Like, I remember, because... Her, um, her, uh, kind of her stand-up piece, uh, I, I was gonna make a reference to Frozen, but never mind, because, because, because I would actually feel terrible comparing what Well, there is a her. character from Frozen in this. True. Uh, and we, we will get to him, but, but, um, uh, but Eliza, though, she gets this, uh, this just showcase number, uh, it reminded me a lot of, uh, Lady Gaga's last song in A Star Is Born. Like, it really kind of took me back to that, where I remember going, oh, God, you're about to break my heart, aren't you? Uh, she has this song, Burn, and I just, Alea will tell you, that's when... So oh, we I, both cried. So I cried at multiple points in, uh, during this, but that that was the number for me that I just went, oh, God! Like, that's when the waterworks <laughs> just started. Because you just feel her pain, and Hamilton... People will... And, and I read some reviews online, because people are dumb, and of course, you know... There is that complaint of, well, how historically accurate is this? Yes, there are some things that are definitely tweaked and adjusted, but to be honest, if you don't have that problem with history books, why you hold it against Hamilton? <laughs> so, I, so I would just like to, to, to put that out there. But when uh, you found out that Hamilton had an affair, and the way Hamilton had the affair and the way he gets like his uh, comeuppance for that is pretty... Uh, Pretty rough, honestly. I was like, "Damn, that's." I mean, the dude deserved it. <laughs> I mean, he did. He t- he totally did. But it's 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 some shit when it happens. I was like, "Oh wow!" And Eliza's number about uh, removing herself from the narrative—it's it's it's so hard because it's not just the narrative she's clearly removing herself from. She just can't do what he's doing anymore. And well, that that in itself is a is another theme because if you remember in the beginning of the show she's saying you know you're not allowing me into your narrative yeah please let me in yeah and then towards the middle she's like we're happy inside this narrative just stay with me we're happy right here and then that song comes up and she's like you know what just take me out of it yeah remove me from from your life i don't want to be a part of this narrative anymore but then it's great though because hamilton you know realizes that you know she is enough and his uh I wouldn't even say retort, but his his humbling of himself in the song they kind of sing together. I remember just going quiet uptown. Thank you. Um, I remember just going, wow, that's really powerful. And she's and she's furious as she should be, and you go, oh man, you're in a really shitty spot, you know, especially back then, you know, with how things were. It's uh, mm. uh, it's it it's really it, it hurts you, but. In like a good way, and she loses probably the most, honestly. Oh yeah. Because I mean, yeah, you could say Hamilton lost, you know, this and that, but Eliza emotionally for what she has to do and just holding things together, I really think she loses the most, and it's it's heartbreaking when 
the play. I mean, spoilers, obviously, because it's not like we're... I mean, you learned it all in the history books, hopefully. Yeah, or at least you should have. (laughs) But she... Her journey, I thought, was a very pleasant surprise because I didn't expect her to be as featured as she was. Mm -hmm. So when... The play's as much about her as it is about Hamilton at the end of the day, which I was like, oh... That's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, okay. well, she was a, a very important part of Hamilton's journey. Because it, it, for me, it kind of goes back to that saying, like, behind every strong man is a stronger woman. Nice. <laughs> and, and well, that's how, that's how I felt. Because they, in the, in the play, or in the show, they do, uh, you do see their firstborn son, Philip, yeah. uh, die at the age of 19 uh, in a duel. And they actually had, she actually bore him eight kids, including Philip. Holy crap. Yeah. So they only show Philip. Oh my God. Yeah. And actually one of their oldest daughters, I think her name was Angelica after her sister. If I'm incorrect, I'm sorry about that. But she was 17 when her, the oldest son, Philip died. And that daughter ended up being almost completely mentally incapacitated after that. And she was just... A, a child basically until she was 72 and uh elizabeth hamilton didn't die until i think she was 97 damn yeah so that it was a the the duel and the death of her oldest son played a huge part in the family dynamic we, we think we do talk about how you know they talk about how people you know sometimes die of a broken heart i mean if someone Honestly, would have had an excuse to die from one. It would have been Eliza, but the fact that she, um, the fact that she ends up being as strong as she is and really carrying on, uh, not even Hamilton's legacy, but really her own legacy, like like her own legacy, kind of being born out of the tragedy what of Hamilton's you know shortcomings of him wanting to be able to do everything and have it all. It's it's really fascinating how that you know unintentionally ended up kind of being like a like. Almost, I don't want to say a good thing, but it like it it showed how strong she was. That's how I'll go. Yeah, put it. well, she lived out her own legacy. She lived out Hamilton's legacy, her family's legacy. She helped the Washingtons' legacy. She was really good friends with Martha Washington and John John Adams' wife. Uh, she was really she was considered one of the top socialites. Yeah. Of their time as well. So she, I think. Philippa Sue did such an amazing job showing the strength and vulnerability and quiet leadership and caring that a lot of people don't really think about when they think about when they think of Elizabeth Hamilton. So if I do have a complaint and I, and I kind of do, oh no, um, Jasmine, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna butcher this. Jasmine uh, Cephas Jones. Well, that sounds right. Uh, as a, a Peggy Peggy Schuler, Skyler. Uh, Skyler, pardon me. I uh, I just I, I I barely remember her being the play. If I'm being completely honest, like as Peggy, yeah. Well, that's I, how it's supposed to be. Is it? Peggy wasn't really. I mean, the Schuyler sisters and themselves, when they were just sisters, were considered like the like debutantes, the socialites. But Peggy wasn't really written about all that much. Okay. So, and she wasn't really too much a part. Angelica was more of a part of the Hamilton's narrative than Peggy was. Okay. And that's why in the play, she's portrayed that way. She was just that kind of the youngest sister in the story. Uh, Hamilton was friends with both of her sisters, but more so with Angelica. And that's kind of where the rumors of his, his, uh, 
maybe mental affair with Angelica kind of spewed out of because they talked a lot. Okay. They sent a lot of letters back and forth. So that's kind of why Peggy wasn't as present as Angelica because okay. Angelica was more of a part of the Hamilton's narrative okay. than Peggy was. Okay. I mean, that's that's a that's an interesting... Okay, I, I wasn't aware of that because <laughs> I was just sitting here really racking my brain. I'm like, I know there's three of them, but I cannot... Um, I, 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 like, could not for the life of me <laughs> remember, like, even what she looked like. I had to actually look up something, uh, I actually had to look something up to see, you know, who, like, what she looked like and everything, because I was really blinking. Um, I want to talk about Renee Elise, uh, Goldsberry, who plays, uh, Angelica. The song that she sings about Hamilton, about how, you know, like, how he'll never be... Satisfied? Uh, yeah. Like, that song in particular... So the thing is, like, it's going to really be a challenge, I think, for a lot of people to f- pick what their favorite song is. Because I think a lot of people will go My Shot by default, because that is the most, that is the biggest, I would say, like, almost song buffet. Because there's so much going on in that song, and it, it, it the first time it almost, like, it's almost overwhelming. I was like, oh my god, this is a lot to process. Like, okay. But, um, especially the the reprise they kind of mix in my shot later on which i thought was just so well done but the initial version of the song it it hits you so hard and it's a long song too like it really does like start off slow and really builds and builds and builds into it gets Mm -hmm. this like this triumph like this triumphant score when the horns and everything come in and you go Oh wow! Okay, like it's like well, knows music or something. Um, what? But I will say for me, <laughs> maybe my favorite character not named Eliza is uh, in my only other real complaint. I want more King George. King George oh is. Oh my gosh! King George is wonderful. He's in the this. perfect comedic interlude between sad moments. Yeah, and it's just beautiful just beautiful so he's played by jonathan groff yeah who uh is also in frozen yeah and he voices Kristoff, which we both just found out yeah which i was like (laughs) that makes a lot of sense though because when i watch those frozen movies i always think oh Kristoff's fun and it's like exactly uh, it's like oh of course you're of course you're king george (laughs) of course but he's just i mean his vocals are of course effortless i mean just Oh, and his theme just is super playful, and it's just that little, like, malicious, like, I'm gonna get you. Well, well it's not even a little malicious, because he talks about how I'll kill everyone that you love to show you I all know, my love. I know, but he's this, like, benevolent king who's like, I'm gonna get you and kill your children. Yeah, it's like, it's... <laughs> It's like horrifying though. It's like it's like someone saying like I'll shoot up your house and smiling while they do it. Like mm-hmm. it's like um. Well, our, King George. Like. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's really intense. I was like, oh wow, okay, but but he does it in such a like a weirdly charming way. It's like he's a perfect. He's the perfect maniacal king. Yeah, I I really would have liked more more. King I think George you said king. he that he reminded you of. Uh, the the king from Robin Hood. So yeah, Disney's making a live action Robin like a CG Robin Hood remake, which I don't understand why they're doing that, but whatever. Um, if you're gonna get someone to, to voice Prince John, it needs to be Jonathan Grauf. Like it's right there. Just have him be Prince John. He would be perfect. He kind of reminds me of if you could have a singing version 
of of uh, uh, King John from Robin Hood Men in Tights. I could like see that. if he sang, that would be this King George. That would yeah. Actually, I could, I could, actually, I could totally see that. Uh, so I just want to go through a couple other things here. Um, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Christopher Jackson, who played George Washington. I never thought I would be hyped to see that hyped to see George Washington in Me anything, either. but. When he gets the introduction, I was like, "Oh hell yeah, George Washington!" Like, and the stuff, the scenes that he has, uh, the the song um, uh, was it right hand uh, right hand man? I, I think, think so. Yes. Um, with uh, with Lin Manuel Miranda, it's a badass fucking song, and it really showcases uh, Washington being a badass. It's like, okay, like I'm I'm all for this, mm-hmm. and where Washington exits the story, I thought was really well. Uh, really well handled, especially for, for where Hamilton is in his life. I like the way they kind of close, uh, close that loop. But uh, the actor himself really does have this aura of authority about him, which you need if you're going to be, you know, playing George Washington. Um, yeah, he really does command the stage in a way that I was like, okay, like this is what we needed from this character, like right on. Um, oh, definitely. You talking about the the the, the rap aspects. I'm always very picky on, you know, when, when people, when people choose to rap, I'm just like, "Mm, okay. Uh, (laughs) So when I kind of heard about this play initially, I was a little nervous. I was like, okay, I could see how this could go wrong, like a thousand ways. But there's a point where like Eliza beatbox and I was mid sip my drink and I legit (laughs) almost spit it out. I was like, holy shit, what? Cause it's, cause it's good shit. It's like, it's not bad. Like everyone's cute. Yeah, it, it's playful. It honestly felt like everyone. It felt like Lin Manuel was like, "Okay, cool, you got the role. You're gonna listen to like a tribe called Quest. You're gonna listen to some Public Enemy, like this, this, this." Like it really felt like he educated people on hip hop before they really even probably even got their scripts. Like it felt like that was a prerequisite. Well, he also, if you, so I'm gonna go on uh, Lafayette and Jefferson's actor uh, David Diggs. He is he himself as a person, not as a character in this, but as a person, he is an experimental rapper. <laughs> and well, I that think makes a loss. <laughs> yep. And I think and that's why Lafayette's rap is so freaking fast. Yes it is. It is real ooh man. Like you try and comprehend the words and you're at least 5 seconds behind. Like it's insane. But Lin Manuel Miranda actually came to Diggs early in the in the production process of the show itself before 2015 with with these rap parts and i think he did have david diggs particularly in mind okay when he wrote these these rap pieces for for jefferson and for lafayette and it's fun because he you know especially in that little part where um, when Philip is growing up, I think they say he's like nine or 10. Yeah, I think it's 10. Uh, yeah, it's like his 10th birthday and he comes up with this cute little rap about his dad. Yeah, which is and, adorable. Right. So, so his mom like runs up to, runs up to, uh, Hamilton's office and she's like, no, you have to come down here cause he's got a birthday present. And so he comes down and she starts beatboxing for Philip and Philip does this really cute rap and Hamilton's like totally into it. And I love that little moment because in history anyway, Hamilton is described by his kids as being a very gentle father figure and being very, very, you know, forward with them and trying to teach them to be good people. And he was very gentle and, and, uh, 
and I'm trying to think of the word, but he, he always tried to make them feel like they were doing something good. Okay. And I think that little moment there was really, really sweet. Necessary. In that, too, yes. Yeah. Um, but the the rap aspect is just so, so cool <laughs> in this show. And I really do think it, it does serve a purpose. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's the thing about this play in particular that I was so impressed by. Nothing felt wasted. Everything felt very exactly. deliberate. and Everything did have a purpose. Which I really appreciate. The, 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 uh, the, the big thing um, for me, because I always watch her some plays, because I thought... Because, again, look, this is my job. I'm supposed to look for stuff that's wrong. And I was really looking, like, really looking, like, okay, like, when are you going to fuck up? And I appreciate so much the ensemble. Because when the ensemble is harmonizing with the main uh, cast members, it never feels off. It never feels pitchy. It feels like they've practiced it literally a thousand times to get it right oh and, that's how that's how shows go <laughs> yeah and, and and just seeing it just sitting there watching i was like oh my god they're not fucking up like not even like in a weird way disappointed because <laughs> i'm like wow how are you still like every single fucking thing just seems like it hits whether it's the dancers in the back in the in the background whether it's uh hamilton himself about to hit a high note in Everyone harmonizing, set them up for set high note. It's like a, it's like a perfect uh, volleyball set before someone spikes it. It just seems like everything is set up so perfectly for other pieces to complement it. It's really impressive. Um, we could talk about this all day. So one little thing that I love just about the end credits, since yes. we're kind of looking at it on the computer right now. Yeah. Um, but I love that they actually show a picture in the individual name of every ensemble member. Yes. And I think especially right now when you think about it, every single one of these people in that created this show, that are in this show, that helped produce this show, like everything, they're all out of work right now. Yeah. And the, and the fact that they made that decision to really make sure that everybody on that stage got their their got their name up to shine just as much as the leading characters was super, super important. Agreed. And if you're going to watch this, like watch through all, like all eight minutes of the end credits because those people deserve to have their name seen. They do. You know, cause all of them are out of business right now. And if you <laughs> used to pay $500 for a ticket to go and see their show and now you can pay six ninety nine to watch it on Disney plus, like you, they deserve that at least. Yeah, no, no they're they're fantastic, and every single ensemble member has a purpose throughout the show. Yeah, which I love. Yeah, it it really felt so. Just the one quick thing I wanted to bring up as we wrap up here, I love the fact that um, that uh, Hamilton uh, himself, and oh my God, why am I blanking on the one sister's uh, name? Uh, Antwa, uh, the um, Angelica. Angelica, thank you. I love the fact that her and uh, Hamilton, at a point, are reciting Shakespeare back and forth to each other. I was like, that's a very subtle, I was like, that's a subtle touch. I was like, if you're not a Shakespeare fan, you won't, like, it will mean nothing. But I was like, okay, I, I, I really appreciate that. Well, I think it's funny that they don't mention that actually, like, I think two years, two or three years before she and Hamilton had met. It was right around this time when Angelica actually eloped with John Church. Really? Mm-hmm. And they had eight kids. Oh, shit. Damn. <laughs> so she was, I think 
it's interesting because in the show you see that Angelica and Hamilton are both kind of on that wavelength where they're both exceptionally smart, almost too smart for their own good. And they're both, and, and in Angelica's song, Satisfied, they're both singing about how, and she's mainly singing about how neither of them are ever going to be satisfied. Yeah. Because not a lot of people are at the same level as they are. And that's also kind of where that, like, affair rumor came up with that. Because they were both kind of on the same wavelength intellectually. Yeah. Whereas Eliza, not any less smart, but more of, like, the doe-eyed, like, stay-at-home mom type. Yeah. Rather than Angelica. Not showcasing her intelligence as much. Yeah, exactly. Um, We could dissect this for hours. We we could. (laughs) Um, I... I just, I have genuine admiration for everyone who's involved um, with this. If they ever do like a like a ten year reunion or something like that, I will I will pay. Oh, I will like, pay out of my teeth. Yeah, to see I, that. I, I I will pay a, a pretty penny to to see this. Um, props to Lima Mo Miranda for being able to put this shit together. Because again, when you hear the concept on paper, it sounds absurd, and the fact that it works even half as well as it does, uh, let alone being, for me, what I think is my favorite musical. I mean, I mean, I haven't seen Phantom in, in a while, so... Eh, no, this beats Phantom. Hey, fair enough. Like, But I, I would like that Phantom and, and West Side Story fresh in my brain before I make that declaration. But for me, this is easily top three uh, musicals for me, personally. Um I really don't have a complaint. Like I said, I wanted more King George. That was really, but that's just a personal preference of me wanting more King George. But I think though, to me, I think King George was like that funky little character that like came up after like something sad or crazy happened, and he was just like, "Hello, yeah, <laughs> I, reality." I mean, he definitely not ser- reality, but you know, <laughs> he definitely served his purpose, and I and I can't be mad at that. But again, I I <laughs> it was like like Jojo Rabbit, like I said, it's like I, I I it was like I wanted more Hitler, which I never thought I'd say. I want more King George, but <laughs> what are you gonna do? But uh, yeah, this is a fan fucking tastic. I genuinely don't have an actual. Uh, complaint about this and i really did look at uh reviews online that were negative there was only like one on rotten tomatoes but how dare they i know right it's just <laughs> there had there's always has to be one but mm-hmm. yeah uh yeah fan fantastic for me so yeah what about you <laughs> i would give an uh, a fan effing tastic as well fair yeah definitely i mean i mean musically it, it, it i don't think there's a flaw with it I really, there wasn't any point where I was watching it that, like, there's, you know when you listen to music that's really, really good, and you get, like, goosebumps, and your heart kind of, like, flutters, and you're like, oh my god, this song is so good. Yeah. And you, like, can't kind of contain it, and your whole body feels like it's just kind of vibrating because the music is just so good. Yeah. Yeah. That was happening the entire film. Like, I felt like I'd run a marathon after watching this show because my whole, like, my brain, my body, my eyes, like, everything was just amazing. Like, the the set was amazing. The choreography was amazing. The staging was stellar. Yes, it was. Like, oh, my God. It was just, there was nothing that, and mind you, this wasn't a production that was just, like, thrown together for the cameras to show. Like, they'd been doing this show for months leading up to filming. So they were very 
<laughs> familiar with how this show is supposed to go because they've been performing it for months. Uh, you know, I, I've seen, uh, I'm friends of friends with people who had seen it a couple months before filming. And they said it was just like, it was like reliving it. You know, and that's really, it's, it's crazy that the, that these actors are just that good at what they do. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really is an incredible piece of art and everyone involved that should be incredibly proud of what they accomplish and what they put forth. I, I want to shout this one last person, uh, Paul Taswell. Uh, he was a costume designer. And I, Amazing. and again, me being somewhat of a theater nerd, I was like, why do I know that name? Because I remember he did Raisin, uh, A Raisin in the Sun. I remember that specifically. Um, that and Color Purple. Uh, he got a Tony uh, Award nomination for that. Uh, he also got one for uh, In the Heights, got one for Memphis, got one for A Street of Carnegie Desire, got one uh, one for Hamilton, um, won an Emmy for The Wiz Live, um, and then did... Uh, I uh, got a uh, Oscar, no, or not an Oscar, an Emmy Award nomination for Jesus Christ Superstar live in concert. I mean, his his, his body of work is impeccable. Like, you just look through it. It's like, wow. Mm. And the costumes in this are just beautiful. Like, they're so beautiful. Thomas Jefferson's outfit, I yes. I don't know how or why it ever worked. Purple but... velvet, like, what do you, what, suit? Yeah. It's like, like, the 1780s version of a suit. Essentially, yeah. I'm not but, sure what it's called. But it's beautiful <laughs> and I need it. So. Well, what I really loved about the costuming was that if you look really like closely from the beginning to the end, is that every costume kind of shows the aging of the character and the maturing of the character. Yeah. Because if you, especially if you look at uh, Eliza's dresses, yes. she goes from her like petticoats and her corsets and... Then as she kind of goes on, she has kind of a looser corset and a bigger skirt. And then towards the end, she has this more of a matronly, A-line, kind of at-home gown. And you kind of see that with all of the characters. All of their age is also depicted in what they're wearing, which is like the littlest thing. But it's just, it's it's amazing it, it it really is yet another reason to, to to like this but um yeah so guys it's on disney plus if you don't have this this is one of those things that if you don't have disney plus it's worth paying the what 6.99 even for a month just so you can actually watch it because it, i do the trial run just to see this yeah, yeah. they're not offering free trials anymore so oh, you would have okay. to do but, well, whatever. but you're, you're pay still, the seven dollars yeah you're still, it's seven bucks like come on <laughs> just, just pay for it support this because yeah i i would love to know what the streaming numbers on this are i'm sure it's very high because everyone i've As talked to because everyone i've talked to has already watched it uh, a couple times. I I'll watch this again probably before the week is over. Like, well, what's so. fun too is that like as as a a teacher, I'm also seeing that you know kids are getting more interested in the history of Hamilton, yeah, and the history of our our forefathers because of this. And it's fun because this this show was actually an adaptation of a 2004 book, which I was not aware of by until... Ron Chernow. Which I wasn't aware of until the credits started rolling. I was like, oh. Yeah. Like, so now a lot of teachers are getting uh, permission 
to, you know, drag up that book and have kids read it. And now they can see Hamilton. And I'm a firm believer in being able to, you know, connect reading and song and a whole bunch of different formats of learning. And it's really kind of opening the doors with that. Well, and it's really, really fun to see that in, in little kids, you know? Well, you know, if hey, if it's going to help kids who want to learn, then, you know, hell yeah. I mean, right? our forefathers were not perfect. Yeah, no, 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 they were <laughs> Kids not, need but, to learn that early. Yeah, they, they really do. But, guys, have you seen Hamilton? Well, if someone should thought in the comments below, you can go ahead and like us on Facebook at The Real Pineapple. Follow yours truly on the Twitter at JHunterRealPineapple. You can follow Scott on Twitter at NearmanTheFirst. You can follow, uh, a find, uh, like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and iHeartRadio at The Real Pineapple. Um, we will have reviews up this week for uh, Twilight Zone Season 2. We'll have reviews up for, uh, <laughs> for the Babysitter's Club for some reason. And we'll have a review <laughs> up for uh, Force of Nature, which... Oh, I have so much to say about that one. But thank you so much for talking all music with us. Thank you. I, I know I know you were like, oh, well, you're going to talk Hamilton? Like, I'll talk that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you asked because yeah. I definitely went down a lot of rabbit holes that I'm glad that I went down. That's completely fair. But <laughs> guys, seriously, though, support this. Um, please stay safe out there. Hope you're having a good weekend or a good week. And uh, we will talk to you guys soon. Take care.